Don't let the rocks cry out, Hayden, in our place. We got something to say. It's not about us. It's not about how good we are, if we are any good at all. It's about Jesus. He gets the glory. He gets the praise. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There is none like him. He is the beginning, the end. Whew. Period. Period. There's nobody else. There's nobody else. Praise God. It's not the, uh, I was thinking, you know, a second ago, I was jumping, I was putting some uh, oxygen under my feet, under my boots. I wore, I wore my boots today, Drex, because I didn't know what else I was going to wear if I was going to stomp on the devil's head. I thought I might as well wear my boots. Although some Jordans would do or something like that anyway, some Adidas or um, pay less. It don't really matter what you got. It don't really, because the Spirit of God was giving you the strength. I was thinking that it's not the, uh, the churches that jump around and get too excited that you got to worry about. It's the ones that don't. Because if Jesus really paid it all and we really were going to hell, and now we have eternity with him, relationship with him now. The power of the Holy Spirit is with us. The comforter is with us all the time because the blood of Jesus really has washed away all sins. And there really was no way that we were ever gonna get to a relationship with God without Jesus. If that were all really true, it'd be worth jumping around. Because otherwise we'd be dead. We'd have no purpose. So you're in a good place, I'm glad you're here. I wanna share a passage with you. It's in, um, go ahead and stay standing just for a second in honor of God's word. But it's in Isaiah chapter 60. I'll give you a quick study lesson of, of the book of Isaiah. It's, it's about God and his people and God's people are chosen by him. Then they rebel from him and then they become faithful to him. That's like the three parts of Isaiah. Now you got it. Now, when you read the book, if you're like in the beginning part, they're chosen. If you're in the middle part, they're rebelling. If you're in the end, then they're faithful again, okay? So we're in the faithful part, chapter 60. Let me turn there for a second. It'll be on the screen as I read it too. I wanna give you a picture. It's Breakthrough Sunday. Praise God. It's Breakthrough Sunday this morning at the 11. Is breakthrough Sunday tonight at the five. We're broke through. Here we go. Here's what it says. Arise, you already are. Praise him. Shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness all the peoples, but his glory will be seen on you. Everyone else is in darkness, but God's glory will be on you. Come on, it's a picture of this church. And nations shall come to your light and kings to your brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes, lift up your praise. Don't let the rocks cry out. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you, your sons from afar, your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then, you, then they shall see and be radiant. Your hearts shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea has been turned over to you. The wealth of the nations has come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. Young camels. 
Let me translate it for you. People are gonna show up to your house and just drop off Teslas. Just like, you're covered in Teslas. You're gonna have so many Teslas, you're not gonna know what to do with all the Teslas that you have. You're covered in them. You're gonna be trying to sell Teslas for a quarter of the price just because you want them gone. You got too many Teslas, you don't need that many parked in the yard, right? You're just gonna be walking out to the Tesla, ripping a piece of fabric off that white leather seat and using it just to wipe some mud off the ground because you're like, I don't even know, I got so many, it don't matter to me. Covered in camels. You don't got no camels, so Teslas. That's like the, that's like the old school Tesla. They really could drive on their own, them camels. They're gonna bring gold and frankincense and good news and praises to the Lord. All the flocks are coming to you. Your gates shall be continually open, day and night. They shall not be shut, that people may bring you the wealth of nations with the kings led in procession. For the nation and the kingdom that will not serve you will perish. Those nations shall be utterly laid to waste. This is the picture, picture of the coming glory of Jesus. This is a picture of what the people of God's life should be like if we would stop choosing dysfunction and chaos and distrust to our Father, if we would stop rebelling and just let Him have His way with our life. You'd have too many camels, you wouldn't know what to do with them. Verse 15, whereas you have been forsaken and hated, with no one passing through, I will make you majestic forever, a joy from age to age. Let me translate. Even what people hate about you and you hate about yourself and is forsaken, no good, gone and dead, and it has no good purpose in your life, God will turn it around, give it purpose, bless it, so that other people get joy from what you thought was no good, now he's getting glory because that's how good God is. It's breakthrough. I wanna give you a picture of breakthrough. I can't talk about his breakthrough Sunday. You don't even know what breakthrough looks like. You think breakthrough means you win the lottery? No. You think breakthrough means all your problems are gone? No. Breakthrough means you finally let Jesus be Jesus in your life and stop trying to break through everything with your own strength and let God do it. It says this in verse 17. Instead of bronze, I will bring gold. Instead of iron, it's gonna be silver. Instead of wood, it's gonna be bronze. Instead of stones, it's gonna be iron. I will make your overseers peace and your taskmasters righteous. Violence shall be no more heard in your land. Devastation or destruction within your borders. They shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. You want devastation and destruction to be out of your house? I do. You want it to be out of your city? I do. You want it to be out of your community? I do. You want violence to be cast out of your life? I do. How do we do it? Let our, let our walls be salvation and let our gates be praised. See, you forgot that your gate was praise. Praise is your gateway. So you're, if you're wondering why stuff's getting into your life, causing destruction that doesn't need to be there, I would say, are your gates praise or are they complaining? Are your gates praise or are they Netflix? Are your great gates praise or are they comparison with people around you? When your gates become praise, 
it begins to close off what needs to be closed off and open up to what needs to be opened up. You don't have to even know fully what you need inside your gates. You just decide to use your gates of praise and call your walls salvation and watch God begin to pour into your gates everything that needs to be, what does it say? That nations that don't even know you, people that don't even like you are bringing stuff to your gates, continually dropping stuff off to your house, blessing you, encouraging you, giving you peace because your gates are praise. You got, you got in the car this morning and you turned on music that wasn't praise music. That's your gates right there. You got in a conversation that was slandering instead of encouraging. Those were your gates right there. You talked about singing a song. You talked about, you thought about maybe giving God some praise, but you didn't. Those are your gates. The sun, verse 19, the sun shall be no more your light by day, nor its brightness from the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light and God will be your glory. As compared to how bright the sun is or what the moon brings, it will be nothing as compared to how bright the glory of God will be on your life, that it will be so obvious and evident that you're different, that something is different about you. It has happened inside of you. And then it's our opportunity to say, oh, it's not just that I'm wearing all denim today. It's that the Holy Spirit is on me. That's why I'm different. It's that God has changed my life. That's why I'm different. It's not just that I'm happy. It's that he made me holy. Verse 22, the last one. The least one shall become a clan and the smallest one a mighty nation. And then he signs it. I am the Lord. In its time, I will hasten it. It's coming quick. To all the people who have their gates set as praise and their walls set as salvation. How many know Jesus saves? There's no salvation except for in Jesus Christ. So we're talking breakthrough Sunday. We're talking breakthrough in Jesus' name. I just wanted to paint a picture of what that looks like to you. Go ahead and take a seat. And as you do, find at least two people nearby and just, just shout at them, praise God. Praise Him, praise Him. You can't go wrong. If you're not praising Him, Pastor Abiel, what are you doing? What are you doing? Man, you gotta praise Him, there's nothing else to do. There's no other choice. If it's morning time, praise Him. If it's night time, you better praise Him. If you're sick, praise Him. You're feeling great, praise Him. Mm -hmm. Things are working out, praise Him. Everything's not, praise Him. There's nothing else to do. There's nothing else to do. My goal today is very simple. It's to help every person in this room see that when Jesus comes to bring salvation, that he comes to bring salvation. See, told you it was simple. He's not hoping that you just do whatever and one day when you die, you might come and know him. He's hoping 
that when we declare Jesus saves, that we realize that breakthrough and freedom is only in one name. It's in Jesus. And any other way is just temporary and false. But in him alone. We're gonna spend some time and share a few testimonies. And hopefully get us to a place where every person that can, who is willing, will realize or fully know that breakthrough is for every person that believes Jesus saves. It's not just special for some people and limited to some others. So I wanna share a passage of scripture with you. It's in Mark chapter five. If you wanna turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter five, the title for today is Breakthrough Sunday. Make it simple for you, right? You won't forget it. Go, go, to, go to Mark chapter five, it'll be on the screens also. You know, pull it up on your desktop, your smartphone, your Bible, whatever you got, whatever you need. Beep, dial it in, you know, whatever. Whatever you need to do, do that. I'm gonna be reading from the ESV. And, and I wanna, before I get to the main part that I wanna read, I just wanna tell you like what's happening in Mark chapter five. I think it's fair to call Mark chapter five the breakthrough passage because tons of spiritual breakthrough is happening through the work of Jesus. He's going about, his fame is beginning to spread and miracles are flying all over the place. Salvation is just whirling through the cities and the disciples are, are following him and he's seeing people saved and, and set free and all kinds of great stuff. And so at the beginning of chapter five, he goes from one side, one piece of land across the sea to another piece of land. When he gets there, there's a demon-possessed man that no one has been able to help. And he's possessed with many demons. He's tried to be chained up, chains can't hold him. He cuts himself with rocks. He's a crazy man, okay? But it's not just like he's a local person. He actually has demons inside of him. And when the demons see Jesus is there, they run and they fall at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus doesn't negotiate with the demons because Jesus doesn't need to negotiate with your addiction either or any of your demons or any of your problems or any of mine. Whatever he says goes. And so he declares the demons out of the man. The man gets set free. The demons go into pigs. The pigs run off the side of the mountain. Poor piggies, but the guy's set free. Bacon for everyone, you know? The guy's, the guy's set free, and he wants to go with Jesus. And Jesus says, no, you can't come with me. You need to go back, and you need to tell everyone what I've done for you. So that's exactly what the guy does. He goes back and he tells everyone what he's done. Jesus hops in a boat with the disciples again. He goes back across to the piece of land over on the other side. As soon as he gets over there, one of the rulers of a synagogue, his name is Jairus, comes running up to him, falling down at, at Jesus' feet again and saying, and saying, Jesus, Jesus, my daughter is sick and she's gonna die. I need you to come heal my daughter. Breakthrough's happening. You come with a miracle tonight? You come needing a miracle tonight? Needing healing? You're in the right place. Why? God is here. If we moved to the meeting down the street, I would still say you're in the right place. Why? Because the people of God would be there, therefore God would be there. So as he's talking to the man, they decide Jesus is gonna go, he's gonna heal the daughter, and he starts going that direction. Now keep in mind, the fame of the work of the ministry is spreading so greatly that there's people everywhere. They're pressing all around him. And that brings us to Mark chapter five, verse 24. And when he went with him, 
a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years who had suffered much under many physicians and spent all that she had but was no better but rather grew worse. Perhaps you've been there with a sickness that just won't get better. But instead, gets worse. Perhaps you've been there. Exhausted all of your resources on what might help, but it won't help. It doesn't make it better because Jesus is the answer. For 12 years, she had suffered. She had heard the reports. That's why you got to share what God's doing in your life. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and she came up behind him in the crowd, and she touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. I have a special fondness in my heart for times in Scripture where there's no precedent for what the person's faith is doing. There's not a precedent happening with his ministry that says, if you go around and you touch the hem of Jesus' garment, that you're healed. That wasn't the buzz that was going around. Jesus wasn't walking into the cities like, hey man, this is my garment, just grab a hold, healed, boom, healed, boom, you know? That wasn't what was happening. That was what her faith decided, that God was so big that she didn't need a conversation with him. She didn't even think that she was good enough to stop him in the city like Jairus had and beg him for a miracle. She just thought, if I could just get close enough, if I could just crawl by, if I could just plant myself around the corner where he might be coming, and then when he's coming, all the people will be around. If I could just slip in and just put my arm through them right there at the bottom of his, of his garment and just, and just touch it, I'll get healed. You got the whole word in your house. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You got the whole word in your house, you got a Bible. Anybody have a Bible? Lots of people have them. You touch it all the time, or maybe you don't, I don't know. Hope that you do. And you might not get anything out of it. It's not because God is broke or the Bible's broke. Perhaps it might be because of our faith. Doesn't believe we'll get anything out of it. Lots of people touched him. Look, even if I touch his garments, I'll be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out of him, immediately turned around about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? Who cried out to me this morning? Who was it that was crying out for me? And his disciples are like, bro, do you see how many people are around here? Bruh. 
everyone touched your garments. Don't you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. Because somebody did it with intentionality. Somebody reached out and grabbed the garment with intentionality. Somebody worshiped tonight and this morning with intentionality. Someone's been praying with intentionality. Someone's been reading the scriptures with intentionality. Let me tell you, Gina has been reading her scriptures with intentionality. I'm just getting you warmed up. And when you do that with intentionality, Jesus is there. But lots of people were just around. Oh man, Jesus is in the streets. Like, let's go out there. Let's be a part of it. Let's see what he's going to do. Let's see what he might say. People always around looking to see what might happen. And he looked to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. If she was looking for the verse in scripture that was gonna just lay out for her the prescription of exactly what to do. One, she didn't even have no scripture. Two, if she did, that was gonna be tough to find. But now you have this story. You have this passage that says, reach out, touch his garment with just one finger and watch what happens from the power of Jesus. Not because of anything man does, but because of who Jesus is. We were at the 11 this morning and I saw Sterling out in the parking lot as he was getting here. He had all his little cute kids with him, all 70 of them. <laughs> I, got, I got like part of one and I'm like, I don't know how you got three. And I noticed pretty quickly this, like everything wasn't all cool. And so I asked him, like, what's going on? And he shared with me that Emma, his wife, who at this moment is sitting next to him, wasn't with him, and that she had got, got sent to the hospital over the weekend, and then she came out, and then it seemed like everything was good, and then this morning again, the ambulance had to come back and pick her up. Because they thought that they were treating her from anxiety medication, but it seemed like the medication was wrong, it slowed down her heart, and her heart got too slow, and so they had to come get her. And so he came inside and me and him sat right over there in that middle section right there. And we just, we cried together and we prayed together. And what, I didn't pray like, oh Lord, give me wisdom to know what to pray in this situation. Like I knew what to pray. Lord, be the healer. Thank you for your healing work inside of Sterling's wife, Emma. Thank you for healing her right now in this second. I prayed, I'm like, okay, well, it's done. Praise God. So I threw, the, I mean, he's with me right there, but I threw them both in a group message so I could text her. And I was like, 
me and Sterling just prayed over you. You're healed. It's finished. Start telling everyone. Like, it's, it's done. If your, faith, if your faith can do it, it's done. He replied back, amen. She replied back, I'm healed. She, remember, this morning, this, this morning, she's not here. She's at the hospital. So we're declaring it, man. We don't know. We don't got nothing. And, and, and as, I'm, as I'm telling him that story, he's like, hey, they just now discharged her from the hospital. It was like 20 minutes before we had prayed, okay? So I'm sharing some testimonies in the room and I'm talking about someone else's marriage, Larry and Brittany and their marriage, how God has restored it, how it's so incredible. They, got, they were married, they got divorced, but Larry never gave up. He believed God wanted them together. And then two summers ago, they got remarried. I was able to officiate their wedding. The Lord restored their marriage. They had another kid. It's incredible. I was sharing that story. And their testimony got testimony bombed because Emma pops in the doors. She popped in the doors like the woman probably was walking around the streets after she was healed from the issue of blood, like. <laughs> walking on her own two legs. The thing that I'm learning is that breakthrough is for anyone and everyone that's willing to stand on the word of God and believe what it actually says. I don't need you to manufacture anything. I don't need you to make up anything. I don't need you to lie about what is, what's not. I don't need you to tell a story or start saying things that God's not doing. All I'm, all I'm saying is breakthrough is for any person that's willing to stand on the word of God and declare what it says is true over their life. I was at midweek last Wednesday and I got to hear Scott share an incredible testimony. It was powerful. Afterwards, you should corner this guy and have him share the testimony figuratively. Goodness, hostile crowd tonight. And he was sharing his testimony about something that most people don't talk about, especially in the Christian realm and especially in the church. And it was about his addiction to pornography. See, it's fine to talk about pornography if you're like 10 years past being addicted to pornography. But if you're like Robbie, where's Robbie? What's up, Robbie? If you're like Robbie and you're four months free and broke through from pornography, most people don't talk about it yet. God can't get no glory because it's only been four months. What? God should be getting glory for four seconds. So Scott was sharing his testimony and he was sharing how he started keeping a log on his phone of what I would say of God's goodness about being free from pornography. Okay, here I go. God is setting me free, not by willpower, but by Jesus. And he was like, I went, you know, one or two or how many times? Three days. I tripped, up, tripped up again. That's not what anybody wants. But then I went a few more days. And 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 now all of a sudden you're looking back and you're like, the Lord is setting me free now. Like I, I was declaring it back on day one, but it was really tough to believe. But now that I can see some history in between my addiction, I can see some space in between my addiction and God's grace, I'm beginning, I got some boldness now I can declare it out. And now I can be, how long? 
a year and 169 days set free. I was talking with Lauren. Lauren, just in, in honesty, was just being curious, thinking, hey, if I watch porn, I won't get addicted. And, you know, I can, like, better myself for my future relationship. I can learn, like, what do guys want? What should I be like? What should I do? This is what the devil will do. He'll lie to you and tell you you need to do things that you don't need to do so you can be something you don't, you don't need to be. When God has already given you and is giving you everything you need for life and godliness in Jesus Christ. And through curiosity ends up getting hooked on porn, knowing from the very beginning that she had no business in it, knowing from the very beginning that she's set aside, she's a child of God. But the devil don't care. He wants to, he wants to rob every bit of God's glory. And he wants to lock people up in shame and in guilt from the addictions that they have feeling like they can never be set free. And now, Lauren, you're how far set free? Four years. Because Jesus is my breakthrough. How about Tracy? You probably saw Tracy when you came in. She was in the front. She's an incredible leader. She got saved about three years ago, because Jesus saves. Baptized and has been changed and never the same. But as she began to walk and follow Jesus, there were some things that held onto her life. And for the first two years of her being a Christian, she was still addicted to alcohol. And at first she would downplay it, but then she realized this is serious. This is what we do, we downplay our addiction. Like, oh no, I got control over this, I'm good. I'm, 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 I drink when I want and when I don't, I don't. Oh yeah? What she realizes, then she starts needing it all the time to feel okay and to be okay. And that's where the intersection of Jesus making you a whole new person and who you used to be begins to just totally collide. That's where the opportunity is to just stuff that down deep and pretend like it's not there or to give it over to Jesus. So she felt a conviction on her heart to go one month, no alcohol. She did it. And then after that, she felt a conviction on her heart to go one year, no alcohol. And then after that, she felt a conviction on her heart to go never. And she set free. And she set free. Oh, but what if it's alcohol is your line of work? Been there before? Been there before? Amber's been there. What about when alcohol is what's in front of you all the time? What about when you think you have it under control? Well, I'll just let you know. We're not supposed to have it under control. We're supposed to give God control. So if you're convincing yourself you have it under control, you're already discrediting the Savior who has it all in control, thinking you got something that he's really doing. 
You ready for breakthrough yet? What about um, Victoria? Anybody know Victoria? Anybody ever met with Victoria before? Look, hands all over the room. Crazy. I've met with Victoria before. You wouldn't know meeting with Victoria now that just a few years ago, anxiety had such a grip on who she was, her personality, her mind, that anytime she got into a social situation, her first move was to run to the bathroom and hide. It's just real talk. Been there before, anybody? That as soon as she got out of a social situation, feeling like whatever she said was totally dumb or that no one wanted to talk to her, she went straight back to her room, turned the lights off and isolated herself because at least that was isolation she could control. Because anxiety had such a grip on a believer's life, someone who is destined to go to eternity, but anxiety is pulling hope and joy out of their life. And we're supposed to say this is how it's meant to be? That Jesus died for this? That this is the gospel that he preached? That Jesus went around and did signs, wonders, and miracles, and then handed over the keys to the disciples, and even the shadow of Peter walking by caused the lame to walk and the hopeless to have hope, but she's supposed to have anxiety? And if she can't get rid of it, then she's a bad person? Explain this to me. But now you meet with her, and you see a Victoria set free. You see a different person who can boldly stand up and say the things that are on her heart. You see a person leading people, directing them and telling them where to go and how to be and training them on how to speak and training them on how to lead and training them on how to do. Because anxiety has no place. I could go on and on, talk about John getting set free from hate. The spirit of hate that he didn't even know was on him and somehow a spirit of hate got in him that was contaminating his entire life and to be set free from it opened his eyes to the goodness around him. We were talking about this last week as we were going to see Zach in his group home who's now in a rehab facility. Text me a picture this morning that he lifted his leg up all by himself, which he had never done before. Text me a picture this afternoon that he lifted his leg up even higher, which he had never done before. Every time he's like, praise God, praise God, praise God. I'm gonna get a picture soon. The leg's gonna be straight up in the air. This guy, this guy, couldn't move his leg and had no function of it just a few days ago. Had never moved it on his own until just a few days ago. That's who we were going to see. You could talk about Christian who got baptized earlier at the 11. Praise God. Because fear and comparison and anxiety have no place in his life. God has washed it away. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17. Old is gone, the new has come. Proud of you. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. I could go all day. I could talk about Gina. All right, after this, I'm, I'll stop, guys, I'll stop. I can talk about Gina.
who is reading the scriptures for the first time in her life, and her whole life is being opened up to the goodness of God. Breakthrough is happening from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet, literally to the bottom of her feet. Her goal on Monday night prayer was to walk in, not on a little scooter today, but to walk in to Authentic today. And she did. And I saw you walk in. She was at the park last Monday. We were evangelizing, sharing the gospel. And she was on her knee scooter, scooting around. That would have been an easy excuse to be like, hey, I can't make it. Like, y'all are all gonna go. Like, who would have blamed her for not going and walking around? I wouldn't have blamed her. Follow Jesus and watch what happens. That's what he said to the disciples. He said, you wanna know what's happening? Come and see. Come and see. Come and see the work that's happening inside Gina's heart. Come and see what's happening as he heals her foot. Knees were healed, legs were healed, Gina's, Gina's knee was healed. Maybe that's where your breakthrough needs to happen. It's physical. He heals the woman with the issue of blood. He says, go in peace and be well, my daughter. And then he turns around and Jairus is there and people come over to him and they say, hey, don't bother Jesus anymore. Your sick daughter is now a dead daughter. It's too late. Maybe that's your breakthrough, it's just too late. You're sitting here tonight, you're hearing the testimony, you're saying, it's too late. I'm too old, I'm too far gone, I'm too bad. It's too broken, it's too hurt. It's been too long. Well, that girl was dead. And Jesus said, no, 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 we're gonna go ahead and go. Goes to the little girl, takes her by the hand, says, little girl, stand up. Stands up. Jairus is like, again, that's my translation. (laughs) Insert hand emojis there. 